0: Hey, this is Len Testa, and this is our episode of the Disney Dish for July 2016. A couple of housekeeping things before we begin today's show. One, check out DisneyDish.BandCamp.com for a collection of other original Disney Dish shows. Not available on iTunes, they're about a dollar each. Two, Jim and I are looking to do an in-park event in Orlando at some time in 2017, and I'm kind of excited about what I'm about to tell you guys. Um, You all know that I used to do these uh, in-park events as part of the WDW Today Show, at an event called Reunion every December. Uh, those were some of the best and most fun experiences I've ever had in the parks and I kind of miss doing them. If you've never heard our custom audio script for Spaceship Earth, our Rocky Horror Picture Show version of Carousel of Progress, or the That's What She Said Jungle Cruise skipper story, look them up on Google to see what these things can be. Uh, plus you know Jim's restraining order is probably expired by now so we're in the clear there too. Anyway, Doing live events in these parks requires a travel agency to coordinate everything from getting us a place to actually do the events to getting y'all rooms to stay at while you're there. And here's where you guys come in. You're going to help us pick the travel agency that we use for live events. That's right. Before we partner with a travel agency to do this event, before we take any advertising dollars from anyone, we want to make sure that y'all are satisfied with their service. Stakeholder capitalism, kids. That's what this is all about. The travel agency that we're considering is Storybook Destinations at storybookdestinations.com slash Disney Dish. It's run by Tammy Whiting, who unofficial guide readers say is one of the best Disney travel agents in the country. Timmy also blogs about the Disney cruise line for touringplans.com, and she is fabulous at that. So we're pretty comfortable giving Timmy and Storybook Destinations a shot at this. Here's what we want you guys to do. Over the next few months, as you plan your next trip to a Disney theme park, ask Storybook Destinations for a quote, again, at storybookdestinations.com slash Disney Dish. And let us know what you think of their service. If y'all think they can handle a Disney Dish event, then we'll do it. And if not, we'll look somewhere else. Like I said before, we're not taking any ad dollars from anyone until y'all tell us that they're good. It's an interesting experiment, ain't it? Getting listeners to rate a potential advertiser. And you were there when it started. Tell your grandkids. And now, on with the show. Welcome back to another edition of the Unofficial Guide Disney Dish Podcast with Jim Hill. It's me, Len Testa, and these, dear listeners, are the dog days of summer. It's extremely hot. This is our second show for July. Fortunately, we're recording in some air conditioning. And speaking of the dogs of the Dog Days of Summer, let's bring in one Mr. Jim Hill. Jim, how's it going?
1: Is that a reference to Secret Life of Pets? Are we playing for the other side now, Len? What's this about? $100 million, Jim. Oh, 103 actually. But who's talking?
0: That's a lot of kibble. (laughs) Jim, -hmm. real quick. So I'm I'm working on... um, The Unofficial Guide to Walt Disney World with Kids. And one of the things Mm -hmm. that I'm looking at, and this is sort of a broad theme, I want to do a show on this actually, but it's how kids' tastes have changed in attractions over the past decade. So what I've done Mm -hmm. is I've gone back and I've looked at what kids rate as the best shows in the Magic Kingdom, and then, or the best things in the Magic Kingdom, and I'm doing the Animal Kingdom now. Mm-hmm. Magic Kingdom, it was really interesting, I and mean, we're gonna do a whole show on this. But things that have not held up with kids, mm-hmm. mildly surprising things like Jungle Cruise, really not holding up well. Yeah, Jungle Cruise, T- Enchanted Tiki Room, Country Bear Jamboree, not doing all well. You know what is doing well? What? Character greetings, yeah. and in the interactive games. So, mm-hmm. A Pirates Adventure or Sorcerer's of the Magic Kingdom is doing. People, kids would rather do that mm-hmm. than do virtually anything other than the classics in, uh, or, you know, like uh, Splash Mountain and Big Thunder Mountain in Frontierland and Adventureland and Liberty Square.
1: Yeah, that's kind of telling. As part of today's show, we're going to be talking about the new Frozen stuff that's been added to Epcot, and mm-hmm. they really took that into account with the summer hoose. That's, by the way, how you pronounce it, hoose, not house.
0: Or oh, is it? Is it's hoose. Oh, yeah, because it's, uh, it's Norsk, yeah.
1: But yeah, they have done perhaps the most elaborate meet and greet that they've ever done in the history of the company.
0: This is a Royal Samurai.
1: Yeah, yeah. And they took an expansion pad that was next door to Norway. And honestly, if you walk in there today, it looks like it's been there forever, Len.
0: I I think think we call that Mexico gym.
1: (laughs) Why do you bring that up? Because... There's a berm of a relatively small space between Mexico and Norway. But if you're coming into the summer, from the, the entrance toward the left mm-hmm. and, you know, you pass some pretty elaborate rock work that's got carving in it, the insane attention, to the detail, it's not just rock work. It's rock work covered with moss. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like all I could think of is like, thank you, J.K. Rowling. You know, <laughs> this was part of the things that Disney had to do to sort of step up their game. But you, you go to walk in, and there's a giant oak tree they actually moved to this site to sell you on the idea that this is Anna and Elsa's. I mean, you know, the conceit of, of this whole idea, the, the summer host, is it, it's modeled after a traditional Norwegian cabin. You know, the whole area takes its inspiration for, from an area in Norway known as Trondheim, but this is supposed to. Be Anna and Elsa's childhood retreat. You know where they came with their families when they were younger, and that's why when you walk through the thing, there are there are family heirlooms, treasures from their childhood. But after everything that happened in the Frozen movie from 2013, now that Elsa's the queen, she's reopened this cabin again, and it's once again a place of joy and family. And you are being invited into this very personal space for Anna and Elsa, and they made such an effort. To have visual continuity with the original Norway Pavilion. I mean, if you look at the roof of the building here, it's it's got sod just like the other buildings over in Norway. But the foliage, I mean, it looks like my backyard. I mean, it looks like the <laughs> woods of New Hampshire. It's like it's been there forever.
0: They did a great job with the with the moss covering there. It's a, it's a lot of green, and that is the traditional architecture of of Norway.
1: Absolutely, but you can't see a hint of mexico next door and it's literally 20 feet oh, really good. you and i know from years and years of attractions that what typically happens is they'll do their planting but with the notion of in three and four years this will grow this will look great but nice. this is from day one it looks like it's been there forever anyway the crazy level of detailing here just the exterior of the building they wanted the logs to look so correct that they actually, they found an old barn, got real logs from the barn, and took molds from them. Oh, nice. So you go inside, and this is traditional Norwegian folk art everywhere. I mean, again, I know people complain that they're shoehorning frozen into Norway, but they've really made an effort to make a lot of connective tissue. So there's rose mailing everywhere, huge rosemailing in the ceiling, down to these little ornamental spoons that are on display. And you, I know your love of Maelstrom. You There's a tab- tapestry in here an, an easter egg for those of us who miss the attraction but if you look at it it starts off with imagery at the top of the three-headed troll there's a okay. waterfall that comes down to a picture of the rock troll the one-eyed rock troll before the second drop this is a detail that only len testa will appreciate that framing <laughs> the waterfall lens yeah are the backs of the chairs from the movie.
0: Really? Seriously.
1: Oh. You remember the chairs from this thing. The, the yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh They were sort of like fan-shaped.
1: Yeah, and it was just one of these things. The art director was oh. so proud to point that out. It's like, I got in the movie. I worked in the movie. So it's
0: like... <laughs> but
1: so you, to make your way through the rest of the building, one of the things I think you will enjoy is they, in, in one of the corners just before you enter, one of the three rooms where you'll meet Anna Nelson. And and by the way... You can't ever tell that there are three rooms. You know, really? it's it's really well designed. So what's known as a Kubustal chair, it's this chair that's carved out of a single log. And the way the Norwegian craftsmen do it, they take you know, a log has to age for a year to up to five years till it's it's ready right. then to carve. And it's amazingly comfortable because what they do is it's not a flat chair, they actually carve out a butt imprint. Nice. I'm not sure that's how they choose the king in their land, but, you know, just sort of like... You,
0: know. <laughs> you never know.
1: who <laughs> <laughs> so rightwise fits the butt print. <laughs> Before they built this, they went over and talked with the folks who were operating Disney Prince's Tale Hall at New Fantasyland. Okay. And it's like, if you were going to do this again, what would you do differently? And so they've created a, a wider space, obviously, so family members can be getting their own shots and that sort of thing. Coupled with the fact that Anna and Elsa each have their own very distinct space, so to speak. I mean, you know, where Anna's supposed to be standing, you can see the castle of Arendelle, and there's a folk painting of a sunflower over where she stands. Where, mm-hmm. where Elsa stands, it's a view of her ice palace, and there's a snowflake painted above the space. But what really impressed me was if you turn around and look around the edge of the room, there's all this discreet theatrical lighting.
0: Oh, really? Oh, yeah, I see the photos. Yeah, I see it in the photos, yeah.
1: Is that not necessarily there to make the princesses look good? That's there to make you look good. You want a good picture to take home. So they they took the time to actually light the folks better.
0: So the, uh, the lighting itself, the theatrical lighting that you mentioned, Jim, mm-hmm. has – Every color in the rainbow in it. And it's it's in a circle. And the interesting thing about it is, if you look at where Anna is, it sort of mimics the sunflower pattern on the floor, on the carpet of her floor, the rainbow thing. It works in really well.
1: Mm -hmm. All right. So you have your wonderful meet and greet. And by the way, take a moment when you're in the room to check out Elsa's dress. This is one of the most elaborate costumes they've ever created for a character. I mean, it's it's actually different from the dress that Elsa wears in the parade because again, you're there to get your picture taken with her, so they they actually stepped up their game for the costume here. And then, you know, of course, it's a Disney theme park, so how do you exit your photo meet and greet but through the gift shop? Gift shop which is the Wandering Reindeer. There's some of the best detailing in the attraction in the gift shop. You're exiting into a traditional Norwegian stay bar, which is kind of a storage shed, so basically the garage where all the fun stuff is so up on the walls are skis and snowshoes and
0: yeah they've done, a, they've done a great job on this the photos look the photos look great if you're
1: looking around the room they've actually have outlines of reindeers on a lot of the shelves there's some Norwegian that's scattered along the painted along the wall that actually explains the tale of the wandering reindeer and of course really? the people. Yep. Unfortunately, the two people who were walking me through the attraction earlier this week, it's like, yeah, I have no idea what that says.
0: Don't speak Norsk. You know, the funny thing about Norsk is if you sound a lot of it out, you could probably figure out what most of the words are.
1: Really? Yeah.
0: Phonetically, you could probably figure out what the the uh, root is.
1: Now I got to go back.
0: One of the things that I did when I was in in the real Norway Mm -hmm. um, was go to the Norwegian Museum of Cultural History, Mm -hmm. which sounds incredibly boring. I don't know if I've talked about all of this on a previous show. But the Norwegian Museum of Cultural History Mm -hmm. is one of the most interesting museums in the world because it's a museum of full-sized buildings. Wow. It preserves Norwegian architecture. So it's a a huge park. And this is where the Stave Church from Gaul, the thing that Mm -hmm. is the model... Of this Dave Church in Oslo is actually located. Uh, sorry, in Gaul. It's mm-hmm. it's in Oslo, but uh, but that, but this is where it is at the Norwegian Museum of Cultural History, and so they've got examples of buildings from the year 1200 on, mm-hmm. in all different examples of Norwegian architecture. And I got to say, looking at the stuff that they've done for the summer, who's it is a faithful replica of what you would see in actual Norway. The uh, the sod roof, which is probably not really sodden.
1: It's so funny you say that because the poor slobs who learn from putting real grass on the original Disneyland Splash yeah. Mountain, where it's like, well, that was a bad idea. If you go to Cars Land in California, when you look up and see the greenery that's sticking up out of the mountains of Ornament Valley and Radiator Springs, that's all plastic faux grass, faux planting, not only it'll hold its color in the strong Southern California sun, mm-hmm. that's really also what they've done with the new sod roof on top of the summer hoose.
0: Jim, I just sent you a link in chat to one of the buildings in the Cultural Museum. Why don't you take, click on that link and tell me what that building looks like to you.
1: Alright, hang on just a second.
0: This is an actual building in Norway.
1: Wow! Wow! <laughs> <God. laughs> Jeez! Boy, the people who are on that building better get a royalty. Wow, that is dead on. Holy cow. Oh, we got to put that in show Well, shows. you know what
0: they say. Plagiarism, yep. the greatest. So. Greatest
1: compliment. Yeah, there you yeah, go. It's just, it's so. Plagiarism. Okay. Well, anyway, yeah, anyway you know, nice. they remember that the meet and greet was developed paralleling the ride through. You know, the Disney fan community has really not been a big supporter of this project. And again, I get it. It replaced a ride that a lot of people loved. I've told you my Josh Guyot story, right, about the ride? No. Oh, okay. Josh, again, the voice of Olaf, Mm -hmm. actually grew up in Hollywood, Florida. And so when he was growing up, his favorite theme park, just like you, Len, was Epcot. Epcot. So given the way this story is going, Len, what do you suppose Josh's favorite ride at Epcot was? (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, if he's anything like me, uh-huh. he, uh, he loved Norway because of its transcendent beauty and natural charm. So I'm going to go with – uh no, I'm going to go with Maelstrom. <laughs> OK.
1: So, yes, this was his favorite ride as a kid. So, all right. So jump ahead to 2014 and now – Frozen has gone from being a hit movie to, you know, an Academy Award winner, or a worldwide phenomenon, and a hugely important IP for the company. So let's do an attraction. This thing has been from development, initial conversations to turning the key on it, two and a half years. I know you and I talked as Frozen was making its way through the pipeline about how Disney's looking at doing attraction about this and replacing Maelstrom doing it, but and that was one of those ideas where it's like you put it on the whiteboard and go, okay, if this movie makes a certain amount of money, we're going to do that. And it took really till January, February of 2014 for mm. that the movie had passed a certain threshold where it's like, okay, this is real, we're going to do this, and so poor Josh gets the call. It's the guy said Imagine Ring, they know he's this huge Disney fan. When I met him at D23.
0: He was like, you're Jim Hill, oh my god, something like that, right? He's, he's yeah, a fan. No,
1: he'd been reading the site forever, and he, in fact, he was he was mad at me because I hadn't answered a Y4 question that he'd sent me years previous, but...
0: <laughs> well, whom among us isn't mad about that, Jim? <laughs> there you go, there you go.
1: But anyway, so, so Imagine Ring calls him, hey, Josh, we're gonna make a ride for Frozen, and we want you to be a big part of And it's like, and this is Josh's childhood dream. And it's like, oh, I, I, you know, I've won at this river. Where are you going to build it? Well, we're putting it in Maelstrom. It's like, no! <laughs> no! <laughs> so my favorite ride from my childhood is now being destroyed so I can further my career. So it's it's a, it's a very strange place for him to be to jump into the ride
0: itself. This is Frozen Ever After.
1: Not a book report. Anybody who's familiar with a lot of the early Fantasyland they really were book reports. You sort of chased Snow White, and she kissed the prince at the end, and
0: yeah. Under the Sea, Journey of the Little Mermaid, is a classic example of this. It's a straightforward retelling of the. Uh- there you go. Okay. And
1: so the, the the Imagineers didn't want to do that. What they decided to do is that this is set post film, and that's the same story that Simmerhoods is telling. This is a happier time, and so when you go into this. Insanely elaborate queue and you know. actually pass a formal proclamation that says the kingdom is invited to a summer snow day celebration in honor of the day that Princess Anna saved her sister, Queen Elsa, with an unselfish act of love. And all will be welcome at a royal reception inside the ice palace. So you make your way through the queue and, and they're talking about, hey, tours of the kingdom are now departing. So and then the imaginators worked really hard to put in stuff from of the film that they knew people wanted. People loved Wandering Oaken from the movie, but the problem is Wandering Oaken is actually way the hell out in the woods. That's his trading post in sauna. So what they did and said is this is kind of his downtown store.
0: (laughs) It's the outpost.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Oaken's tokens and sauna. There's an interactive element where you come into the store and it's empty, but there's a door to a sauna that's sort of steamed over. And every so often, you know, Oaken wipes the window from inside. and I'll be out in a few minutes. <laughs> Is it really steam? No, no. It's all projected effects, but it's very cute. It's a fun little moment. For those of you who are wondering how they did this, because what's kind of intriguing about Frozen Ever After versus Maelstrom, there's now... Almost a full minute more of show, like I want to say, depending on how heavy the boat was or that sort of thing. Maelstrom was like four minutes, 10 seconds, something like that, Len? about four and a
0: half. I think we said four, four fifteen, four and a half, something like that. Okay. I mean, depending on how fast the, uh, the, the water jets are going.
1: That's going to be an issue with this attraction shortly. So Frozen Ever After winds up being five minutes long.
0: Well, they extended the track a little bit, and then there's a new S-turn, right? In the yeah, picture. well,
1: what's interesting is you now actually board in what used to be the offload area of Maelstrom. and Did then
0: you walk in and go, oh my god, this is backwards? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, actually, the walking in part isn't hard. The walking out part, I think that's the one place where this attraction kind of stumbles, is that mm-hmm. in order to put the load into the old unload area you leave by way of this i mean it's themed but it's kind of lightly themed but this very long corridor and all i could think of is it was making my way through the spaces i'm glad the norwegians don't have any minotaurs in their mythology because this is probably
0: (laughs) this is Greece. (laughs) That's right.
1: Let me chase you into the gift shop. Anyway, like you said, the S-curve is, uh, with these two no-show scenes, is in the old load area of the attraction. And now uh, we get to the real question. For a lot of people who go on these attractions, they want to know, if I'm getting on this boat, what row is the best row to be in? Mm. Well, well, the interesting thing about the press event, and they had us in there very early in the morning. I managed to get in four rides on this thing, which... I think is more than anyone on the planet, shorter the people who worked on it have have gotten.
0: Yeah, at this point, in the amount of time that it's been up.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I rode in every row of the boat to try to, to get a sense of what the best seat was. And to be honest, if you're in the very front seat, there's a really fun show moment in the first scene or two. I mean, you, you come out of the, the load area and you, you make the first turn and you go under this, this ice over willow tree mm-hmm. and there's the Olaf and, and Sven AA figures. And what's great is Olaf actually sees you and reacts with surprise and walks over toward you. But it's really only if you're in the front seat of the boat, you get to see that the downside is that what what you were talking about earlier about how fast the water is pushing you along there's this wonderful moment in this initial show scene where olaf actually looks at and gestures to each row of the boat and three of the times that it was on the boat it synced up perfectly fourth time i'm riding through the boat, whether it was because it was lighter, I think I was only myself and another person in the boat, or we launched pr- properly, but we were late getting to him, and he, he's literally gesturing to where the boat isn't.
0: <laughs> to where the boat should be? <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> All right. But, you know, I mean, it's still a fun moment, and so he sings a modified version of, do you, you want to be a snowman? But beyond that, this is kind of a modern era problem. Who was speaking with Imagineer about this and they've discovered the hard way that this is troubling the Shanghai version of Pirates as well because that's a much bigger boat with a lot more people in it. But Mm -hmm. face it, in our modern era, as soon as the show starts in a Disney attraction, somebody lifts their cell phone up. Yeah. I was talking with my friend, Shelley Karen about this, and she basically said, really, if you want a cell phone-free experience, you probably want to be in the second boat on the right side, because that puts you closer to the AA figures, and you won't have cell phones in your face. We live in this culture where if you don't have pictures, it didn't happen. So I stood in a five-hour line, I rode Frozen Forever After, here's my video you go to your second show scene and it's the trolls who sort of for the one person on the planet who's never heard the story of Frozen Pappy Troll gives you the 15 second soundbite it's like yeah she saved her okay get up the mountain <laughs> And
0: you know, you know, I still haven't seen the movie. You still haven't seen the movie? No, I'm I'm, I'm holding out to be the last person on Earth.
1: Wow. Okay. Because because I think <laughs> there's only five of you, Len, and four of those other guys are in Guantanamo,
0: <laughs>
1: where to be honest, something about snow would probably be refreshing.
0: Uh, there
1: you go. Yeah. Anyway, you head up the load hill. You are not the first to pass this way, and this is that place in the attraction would that happen, but mm-hmm. it's still the same old ride system. So there's a clack, 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 clack as you go up the hill that kind of pulls you out a little bit. Is it really? All right. Yeah. But on the other on the other hand, this is your first taste of the use of projections in this building. And on either side of the show, the walls, there are these amazing predictions of ice magic and snowflakes. And by the way, it's important here to, to talk about that Imagineer w- w- reached out to the actual folks who animated an art designed Frozen in 2011, 2012, 2013. They consulted on this thing. So it's a very, very consistent look. And that continues through the whole attraction. One of the other things, you're going to get to the top rise here, and you next get to see another Olaf figure. And every time I rode through this thing, the soundtrack that we're hearing wasn't synced up with the mouth or the actions of the Olaf puppet. But this was the only scene out of the attraction where there was consistent technical issues. You then proceed to a show scene with Anna and Kristoff and and Sven. And this is where you get your first real taste of the human audio-animatronic figures that are done for this lens. And this is the first time in a Disney theme park stateside that they've used these all... Electric animatronic figures. It's no longer hydraulic fluid, and they are stunning. They they are amazingly fluid.
0: The video that I've seen on them are, are really really good. They're they're very lifelike. The uh, mm. we've seen hints of this technology at mm. Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, right? With the
1: internal yeah, uh, stuff. Yeah. But okay. this is definitely a next step up, and they do a wonderful job of sort of setting up the big show scene that's to follow. In fact, they include the you know one of my favorite lines from the movie, to the effect of, I don't know if I'm elated or gassy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, an interesting choice for a family-friendly attraction. Oh, oh, before we go on here, I really, you, you particularly, having as much work as you've done on your home, mm-hmm. would appreciate this aspect of the Maelstrom Frozen Forever After change-out. They decided, for a lot of reasons, but mostly because... Epcot really needed a fra- family-friendly attraction. Uh, that that was one of the reasons that Frozen went into this park, the Frozen sure. ride. But at the same time, you know, they, they wanted this in quickly. So it's like, okay, so let's take a pre-existing ride building, and that's Maelstrom, and it's got its flume track, and let's stick with that. But that then changed this project basically into the world's most expensive kitchen remodel. Because... <sighs> They had to build around the flume and have created a new section of the flume for the S-curve at the beginning. But it's now, how do you tell a story using this flume? And that's what's absolutely amazing about the the big scene of this, where you get to the three-headed troll room and you have Elsa up there you know, singing Let It Go, this amazing face projection, these incredible fluid arm movements, and you then begin to slide back down the hill as the troll, back, back, over the But It's all beautifully synced to the Let It Go song. Right. This is an attraction you have to go on, you get on it a couple of times during your trip. There's details in here that are insane. I mean, when you are sliding backwards down the flume as as she sings Let It Go, again, Ellis is conjuring up ice magic, and overhead, the fiber optics chase you down the track.
0: Oh, okay, so I've been looking at ride video, and you don't see that part of it. Okay.
1: No, you you have to look up. And anyway, so (laughs) the other thing to stress here is, again, remember, they began working on this thing Mm -hmm. in January of 2014. So... March of 2015, the Frozen Fever short comes out and introduces snow geese to the world, which are basically tiny little snowmen. So originally, this scene in the attraction was just going to be you bumped into Marshmallow, the monster that that Elsa conjured up to frighten away Kristoff and Anna. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so that that was going to be he was going to accidentally bump you and knock you down the falls. (laughs) But, But okay. But what ended up happening is that, that here's this short that introduces these these fun new characters. And the Imaginators, well, we got to put those in there. People will want to do that. So in the middle of the design process, they've got to change out this big scene in the attraction and throw in all these snow geese. <sighs> From there, you slide down your your second ride hill. This is the moment in the attraction previously where you pass the oil rig, but now it's the... Castle of Arendelle and there's these wonderful snowflake shaped fireworks that blow off and then you enter your final show scene and this is Anna and Elsa and Olaf reinforcing the whole notion that you are here for a summer snow day so it's Anna, Elsa and Olaf singing the In Summer song from the movie. It's a beautiful green setting, but with Olaf and Anna and Elsa are holding their hand, you know, hand. So that you, you see the, the sisters are still friends and everything's great. And the other thing that's kind of impressive is as they're singing, they turn to the boat. And the Imagineers evidently put a lot of effort into making the sisters make eye contact. And these kind of knowing smiles, because Olaf is just totally clueless about what happens in summer. It's this wonderful little show beat, and then you're back into the load-unload area. And I guess the, the other thing to say here is, like, this is perhaps the best dark ride that Disney's ever done. There are issues. I mean, this thing has, what, 900, a 1,000 people an hour capacity?
0: If things are going really, really well, yeah. If
1: things are going really, really well. And so, again, there's a five-hour line outside. The people I was speaking with at Imagineering, you know, acknowledged it's like, yeah, we know it's got five-hour long lines and we've had some tech issues. But the interesting thing is the people who actually ride it yeah. rave about it.
0: It's true. It's one of the highest rated rides in, uh, in Walt Disney World right now, according to an official get yeah.
1: But now the challenge is what do we do to mitigate this?
0: Let me ask this question about this, Jim. Yeah. The, the strong rumor is that mm-hmm. the thing wasn't ready when it opened. That Disney wanted to hit June 21st mm-hmm. because of the issues that they had with Rivers of Light and and the stuff that Universal was doing with Kong, et cetera, et cetera. Is there any truth to that?
1: Look, it's a very competitive marketplace, and you're right, particularly in in the wake of of Rivers of Light. Disney needed some good news, especially given everything that's going on in Florida. So, I, I think in hindsight, should they have done the soft opening for this thing? Absolutely. They shouldn't have just thrown open the doors because, you know, right now that's kind of the story that's defining Frozen. It's like not only the long lines, but the mm-hmm. breakdowns it's been having. Yeah. But but every attraction has, you know, that sort of thing happen early on. But that's why you have a soft opening. You know, how many rides have if, if you and I experienced where it's three and four months of soft opening before they finally officially open the doors? Could you know yeah. that? I
0: mean, <laughs> God, I mean, there's a ton of stuff, right?
1: Hey, come September, October, folks. This is really something you want to get in line for. <laughs> it's I true. mean, I just cautioned folks that yes, you know, if you've been following what's been going on this the ride at all, that it, it's been prone to breakdowns lately. But it's still worth it if it's running during your Disney World vacation, and if you can get a fast pass.
0: Yeah. Do it. That's the thing that we're telling people, that uh, because of the breakdowns and because of the uh, the long lines, mm-hmm. uh, if you're going to get to Epcot early in the morning, uh, ride Zora and ride Test Track, get a single rider line for that. Yep. And then go see Frozen Ever After using a Fast Pass.
1: No, 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 absolutely. Disney is not getting out of the Frozen business. There is a Frozen holiday special that's actually being produced by the folks who did the two prep and landing shows for Disney. Oh, really? I think is debuting this holiday season. You've got the Frozen Broadway musical that tries out in Denver next summer and then opens on Broadway on the 18th. And they just announced Wreck-It Ralph 2's release date in...
0: What's up with that? Well, Wreck-It Ralph 2. I didn't think it was a good enough movie to get a, uh, to get a first one. <laughs> to get a sequel.
1: Well, you know, it, it actually did very well. then. I mean, box off point of view and I was talking with friends at, at animation and evidently Rich Moore came up with the idea for the sequel while he was out doing press for the first film. And he was telling it to the folks at Disney and they're like, oh, my God, we got to make that movie because. Previously, this was just sort of a salute to gaming, but it was kind of a Roger Rabbit situation. You know, there were a lot of characters that they wanted in the original Who Framed Roger Rabbit. I mean, for example, they wanted Popeye and Olive Oil and Brutus, and, but they couldn't persuade Paramount to give them the rights. And, okay. and likewise with Wreck-It Ralph, they, they desperately wanted Mario. You know, in there. In fact, that's one of the reasons that Fix-It Felix sort of, you know, references him without, you know, oh, fashionably late. <laughs> but you don't get to see him in the movie. And But Disney just couldn't close the deal. And now, you know, now that everyone recognizes what a Wreck-It Ralph is and how fond it is of the, you know, and respectful of the gaming yeah. world, yeah. everybody wants in. So it's like you can make the next film that much better. And now the conceit, you know, is that Ralph wrecks the internet. And I don't want to give away too much of the story, but there is this one wonderful beat where Ralph really, really, really needs to get someplace fast, and so yeah you know, he just he has to basically cross the entire internet in seconds, so he actually steals the Twitter bird and just, <laughs> <laughs> really yeah, so but that's the that's the thing Disney's been working. On getting these these chunks of it out there, you know, and it just it, it, it was it's been a long negotiation, and and that, that coupled scary. with the fact that Rich had to sort of step away from all the work they were doing on Wreck-It Ralph and go help with Zootopia, but no, and it, it, trust me, it, it's it's particularly for those of us who work on the web, it's going to be a fun film. So,
0: oh, fantastic! That's <laughs> very good. All right, Jim, what, uh, what do we do for the next show? I got
1: to see a lot of fun stuff at this press trip. And, and if folks are interested, we can dig down deep into Star Wars, A Galactic Spectacular, which really, mm. that's a fascinating project, Len. Just from the yeah. f- one little stat to sort of throw out there to tease folks, this is the biggest fireworks show that's ever been done at uh, for <laughs> Disney Hollywood Studios. In fact, I know everyone talks about the projection elements of it, but the, f- the pyro? hmm uh, one of the reasons they actually built that area, the new pyro launch area cr- on the other side of World Drive, is that we'll take, for example, this, this show that just debuted in Wishes oh, over the course of that show. They mm-hmm. shoot off four 8 to 10 inch firework shells, these pyro shells. They're the big boomers. All right. Okay. For this show, they actually fire off 22. Wow. A lot yeah. more. And they needed that area. In fact, one of the reasons they built this is going forward. I mean, remember how whenever you saw a fireworks show at Disney MGM, they have to sh- close off the streets of America. They had to sh- close off, you know, Pixar Place. You know, just force people to the front of the park.
0: They don't have that problem now because it already is closed. <laughs> well, the, this
1: is the thing they plan on going forward when when Toy Story Land is in place and when Star Wars experience is open. When well, they mm. do a fireworks show now, because of the pyro is now based across the street, you can stand anywhere in this park and watch a fireworks show. You know, they they never oh, chasing nice. you out again. So, but we'll get into. Nice, We'll get into more detail about that show next time around. All
0: right. You've been listening to the Unofficial Guide Disney Dish Podcast with Jim Hill. We are produced, fabulously I might add, by Aaron Adams. Please go on to iTunes and Stitcher and rate our show and tell us what you would like to hear next. For Jim, this is Len. We will see you on the next show.
1: Take care.